spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, do you remember the 21st night of September? Welcome to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. Josh Jagno, man about town, sits across from me. Josh, happy Monday. Hey, Matt. It's good to be back. Guys, you know, quick rundown of the topics. Obviously, you know, we're going to break down the Cajuns' victory over George State on Saturday. We're going to talk about the UL women's soccer team. We're going to talk about volleyball. And a recap of what happened in the Sun Belt this past weekend. According to a lot of major college football sites, it wasn't a good weekend for the Belt. Well, they're going to find reasons to hate on the Belt. They, they can't stand the fact that we're getting positive pub. So, Yeah, you know, like, like I said, we're going to talk about the Cajuns' victory over Georgia State, albeit, you know, ugly. 34-31 in Atlanta on Saturday to move to 2-0. Cajuns remain at number 19 in the AP poll. However, falling to number 25 in the coaches poll that was released yesterday. Uh, and then this morning, the Sun Belt released their offensive, defensive, and specialist of the week. Cajuns grabbing two of them yet again. Elijah Mitchell is the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Week, and Reese Burns is the Special Teams Player of the Week. So congrats to both of them. Elijah Mitchell was also named the Senior of the Week by the Reese's Senior Bowl. Shout out to Reese. Another spectacular performance. I continue to say he's the best in the country, best punter in the, punt in the country. Um, on that 25 in the coaches poll, nobody cares about the coaches poll, but they added the Big Ten teams. So that's probably why we moved uh, to 25. But it's, it's all about the AP, and the AP didn't change, which I didn't expect it to. Look, it's not uncommon for a team to go have a, a huge historic win and then come out the next game flat. So while we're while we're discussing that, Josh, the AP will add the Big Ten starting next week. Can't wait. Do you think that affects anything in terms of the Cajuns? It will. It'll push us back, and you know you, you can't not have Ohio State in the top twenty-five. You can't not have Wisconsin. You can't not have Michigan. I mean, you know the stalwarts. You know, blue bloods. There, they have to be there. And it would be it would be unfair to those programs to not include them. So I'm not going to ride hard against the Big Ten as much as I hate the bastards. I'm not going to you know say you can't have them in there. But you know I, I think it's it's unfortunate for teams like us, schools like us, who go out and accomplish something like we did last or two weeks ago, and then have to be at the mercy at this uh, of this situation with the Big Ten being added late. Well, well, my thing is the Big Ten doesn't start till October 23rd. Why not wait until then to add them in? Because yeah. they're just going to sit there at zero and zero the entire time. They're end up they're going to end up falling out anyway. Is it, does it have anything to do with the playoff? I mean that I didn't think about that. Maybe length of time ranked, or you know, maybe I, maybe, maybe maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just came to me, man. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. Look, I think the whole thing is stupid. It's all stupid. But look, you already see if you're reading any of these articles on social media or whatever. They hate they they just can't wait to bash the smaller programs in the smaller conferences. They can't wait to just throw some Big Ten schools out there and talk about how great all these traditional 
big boy powerhouse football teams are and how you know the Sun Belt is just overrated it was a shot you know it was a flash in the pan it was nothing and they, they just don't like to see us on the Chiron on the bottom and they don't like to see a 19 next to Louisiana they don't like it they, they, they want their Wisconsin's and their Michigan's so look we had the nuts to play we had the balls to go out there and and challenge the status quo we we you know us in particular us meaning louisiana or asian cajuns uh we won we went on the road and won a big 12 game we deserve where we are these big ten, these big 10 programs you know i don't know man i'm i'm uh, the whole situation just annoys me yeah no th- there's no question moving on from that shout out to the girls soccer team dropping another heartbreaker in san marcus uh texas state scored two late goals to defeat the cajuns three to two the girls, if I'm cor- if I'm correct, they are now two and two on the year. I think that's correct. Yeah, um, I wasn't so. able to watch this this game. Um, I had a lot going on this weekend, but yeah, that was that, that was a little bit surprising to give up two late goals. Um, like you said, the the defense for the Cajun soccer it, it's it's been good. It's been solid uh, last year and this year. So I don't know what uh, what the circumstances were with the two goals, but man, it's uh, surprising. Yeah, I mean. You know, uh, I think they're off to a better start, even in four games, than they were last season. I think they're, I think they're monumentally improving. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, it takes time, and then again, you know, the, the two games that they've lost have both been, you know, last second kind of thrillers. So I mean, you can't really do a whole heck of a lot about that. Nah, they're on the right track. They'll be fine. Uh, we want to take a quick minute to thank all of our sponsors before we go to break. Uh, Priority Access Urgent Care. Rusal Exploration, Schilling Distributing, Award Master, PSC Supply and Hardware, Vaulted. Escape Reality Travel Agency, Vaulted Security, and Gulf Coast Bank. I always get tripped up after like five. <laughs> it's a lot to remember. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good problem to have. But uh. um, Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, like, I, like I say all the time, never would have thought that eight businesses would sponsor a podcast that I created. It's pretty cool, but you more know, to, and more to come. So let's let's go. Let's go, guys. When we come back, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we will break down the game, give you a scoring summary, and we will talk about the offensive game plan and how it was once again. Eh. Uh, Josh will rant about Trey Regis, and then we again. will give you we will give you a Sunbelt roundup for week two, right here on Rage and Review. When we come back. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Rajan Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. 
Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Wynwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health, offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance, including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at PriorityAccessUrgentCare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Cajun Nation, welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Josh Jagno. And Josh, you know, before we get into the recap of the Cajuns' win over the Panthers, let's talk about Heather Mazetas Fontenot and the Lady Cajuns volleyball team. Let's do it. Off to a 6-0 and start on the year, heading into their Sunbelt Conference slate. I mean, this is a program that, you know, for lack of better words, has really struggled the last couple of years. Yeah, had a good season, I think, two years ago, and and some expectations were were a little bit higher than usual, and then maybe not necessarily what they expected last year, but 6-0 off the gate is pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, uh, Haley Wisnowski is probably going to go down as the greatest volleyball player in Cajun's history. Um, I know she became the all-time leader in, I think, kills last weekend. Wow. so she's she's been a she's been a stalwart for the volleyball program over the last couple of years, and she continues just to get better and better. But yeah, like I said, they head into their conference slate this weekend, six and zero. They they had a doubleheader with Lamar on Saturday, swept them in both matches. So you know, big big shout out to the volleyball program. Keep up the good work, and uh, who knows, maybe maybe bring home a volleyball national championship. I'm I'm for it. I'm here for it. Uh, go check the ladies out at EK Long. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into the let's get into the football game now. Meeting potatoes. Uh, like like we said, Cajuns defeated Georgia State thirty four to thirty one on Saturday. But Josh, they they didn't do it in a in a pretty way. Well, l- let's start with a question. What did you expect to see out of the team on Saturday? Out of us? Yeah. I expected to see a ground and pound performance. I know you wrote that you expected a bigger win than maybe I would have predicted but did you did you legitimately think you're we were going to go in there and just walk all over Georgia State to be completely honest with you I did you did I did yeah. because and then I guess I, I didn't factor in 
you know, the growth of an offseason. But their defense was just so putrid last year. Sure. I, yeah, I, at one I point, I thought it was going to be more of the same. At one point, they showed a. It was a little graphic that had all the different uh, statistical categories, and <laughs> they were like a hundred plus. Yeah, in every single one. Right. <laughs> so good. I just, I just thought that Regis and Mitchell would just dominate that that front seven. But God, was I wrong? They were fast, faster than uh, probably a lot of us expected. But that's not even what surprised me. They were, they were more physical. Yeah, absolutely. They were more physical than our offensive line, and it, it was three-fourths of the game. Uh, point of attack was won almost every other play by their defensive line. You know, and they stacked the box. They knew what we wanted to do. At one point, I'm watching, and you know, there's, there must have been eight, nine guys in the box, and it was very apparent with the way that Levi was playing. They were just saying, we're going to stop the run, beat us over the top. Right. And, you know, we, we had a hard time. We had a hard time doing that. We had a we had a hard time doing a lot of things on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's not wrong. Let's get into the scoring summary now. Um, you know, first quarter started off a little slow. You know, traded traded some three and outs, but with three thirty left in the first quarter, Cornelius Quad Brown with a twelve yard touchdown run to make it seven nothing Panthers. Early in the second quarter, he then dishes a pass to his tight end Roger Carter, twenty eight yard pass into the end zone. So it is now 14 to nothing. That second touchdown drive was very impressive. Uh, you could tell Quad Brown was getting some confidence and he was starting to click and they were on in a rhythm. Uh, I was impressed by that tight end that caught the touchdown. He had a couple of big catches. Um, they were starting to roll offensively. And once again, our offense left the defense out there to die. They couldn't get first downs. They couldn't stay on the field. Defense was gassed. Uh, there was like a 28-yard pass, I want to say, on that second that second touchdown drive to set up the, the run. That was just a flat real wheel route that we blew the coverage on. I think it was Moncrief that just let that tight end. Uh, well, maybe he came out of the H-back position, but either way, the wheel route just went right around him. Chris blew it, and he was wide open. The play that really sealed that drive for them was the, was the third and nine, you know, right there at the beginning of the second quarter when – the um, when they got called for a pass interference, yeah. Jaron Wilson got caught for the pass interference. It was cheap, which, cheap. Which, yeah, I was about cheap. to say I watched, I watched, I rewatched it this morning. Cheap, cheap call. It was cheap, and I thought Jaron Wilson actually had a pretty good game on special teams and while he was called on to play corner. So yeah, his coverage was fine. That that was a weak call for sure. But like I said, Roger Carter gets the twenty eight yard touchdown, makes it fourteen to nothing in favor of the Panthers, and then. It wasn't again until a minute 33 left in the half when Chris Smith caught an 18-yard pass from Levi Lewis to finally put the Cajuns on the board, 14-7. We had an opportunity earlier in the game to get on the board, but kicking low strike again. Yeah, kicking low strike again. Uh, again, we got to be better and more crisp with the snap and the hold. But, you know, at the end of the day, I did go back and watch that kick a few times, and, you know, Nate's got to make that. And he knows he's got to make it. The thing is, he had plenty of leg. And it wasn't like he totally shanked it. He just hooked it just a bit, you know. Yeah. And these are the kind of things that are you, – you have to expect they're going to fix themselves. I mean, he's just got to keep working. Um, I still have confidence in him. I think he's going to be fine. But uh, the the touchdown pass, uh, we'll get more into that when we discuss Levi's performance. But Chris Smith went out and made a play. 
And uh, you you see it. He has had a, a huge role in the offense in the first two games. So something to watch for going down the stretch of the season. But Chris definitely made a play, and he shook the piss out of number 24, who tried to make the tackle oh, yeah. <laughs> right there before the goal line. Oh, that was nasty. And then after that touchdown, you know, the defense really stepped up, got quick three and out. Yeah. Georgia State only got one yard on that drive. Well, what happened? Offense stayed on the field, gave them a blow. They got out there, and they, they did their jobs. Only coughed up 23 seconds of play clock time, yep. giving the ball back to the Cajuns with plenty of time to tie it up before half. And it looked like they were going to do that. And, you know, first down from the 28, Levi hits Dante Fleming for 27 yards. And then the very next play, he hits Peter for 18. And then Jalen for four. So now you're at the Georgia State 23 with a minute left. Yeah. Plenty of time to put something together. And the thing is, you can't play worse than you played in that first half. If you go down there and get a touchdown and score that game, you tie the score up at 14 at the half, you break Georgia State. I don't, I don't. I don't think it's a. I, I guarantee you, they come out with with less ferociousness in the second half if it's a tie ball game rather than them actually having the lead. Yeah, no, no question about it. And then Josh, I'll let you walk us through it. Levi Lewis throws an interception to Quavian White. What happened there? Oh man, look. It, for, for for whatever reason in this fan base, you can't tell the truth. People don't want to hear the truth. But that whole first half, Levi, Levi was not good. Yeah, I would I would go further. I would say the whole game, but that's for another that's for another segment we'll do later. But uh, the pick uh, is this the pick where he rolls out and he what was the first pick? This was the first one. Yeah. What what happened? He uh, oh Ek. Yeah. So e, it looks like no, that was the second one. So the first one was the rollout to the left. Linebacker tips it. Right. Or I'm sorry. Who who tips it? The first one. What I don't think the first one was a tip. I'm having a brain fart here. Yeah, I, I am too. But I don't think the first one was a tip. The second pick was the one to go to AK. The first pick was right before the half. Correct. The second pick was the option route to AK. Right. Yeah, so I was right the first time. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, so, ball snapped. Levi looks to the right. There's a seam route for Kyron Lacey, who has inside position, and he's open in the seam. They do have safety, top, uh, safety help over the top, but there was plenty of room to put the ball. Uh, you can go back and look at that. He, he. I mean, that's a that's a D1 quarterback throw. It's easy. Pauly is wide open for about an eight-yard gain. First down, step out. He's wide open. There's nobody around him. His guy is 10 yards off of him. Uh, Levi decides to pull the ball down and go to the left. And uh, no, I'm sorry. See, I'm getting I'm getting the two plays confused. Ek breaks out. Seam clears. Meagle comes across the field. It looks like Meagle is running just like a regular five and in. And EK has the option to go in or out. Levi thinks he's going to go in. EK goes out, which, by the way, if you watch the play, EK is wide open on the option out. Levi throws it. Now, it should be said that he had some pressure. So that's there's something there. You know, I don't want to totally rip him. But uh, why not throw the ball outside? Throw, throw it to the, 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 the option that is there that's open. Don't try to make something happen that's not. So either, either somebody ran the wrong route or there was some confusion with the quarterback. And I said in the reaction that I'll defer to, to Levi because he's been in the offense for so long. Um, but after watching it again, I don't really know. It's hard to tell. To me, if the option... If, if he runs the option route to the inside, he's going to collide with Meagle. 
So why would you run the play and give them the option to screw up the the middle of the field? There would have been too too much congestion with defenders there. Right, right. So I don't know, man. So at halftime, it's 14-7 to in favor of Georgia State, but the Cajuns get the ball back to start the second half. So, you know, my thought process in that moment was, you know, come out in the second half, score a touchdown early, tie the game up. Plain and simple. Yeah. Chris Smith starts that drive with a hell of a return to the UL 45. First play of the drive, Levi completes a pass to Hunter Bergeron for eight yards to cross into Georgia State territory. Elijah Mitchell runs for two yards to get the first down. And then the very next play, this is the one that was thrown to AK that was tipped. That was on the rollout. Right. Levi Lewis pass intercepted by Victor Hayward. And like I said, this was the one where he threw it directly to AK. It was behind AK. Right. Um, and AK tries to tip it and make a play. But here's the thing, man. When when you're a receiver, and and, I, and I, I'm saying this just by being a fan. I've never once in my life played wide receiver. But when you're a receiver and the ball is clearly behind you, your job, you immediately turn into a defensive back. Get that ball on the ground at whatever cost. Yeah. Bring that ball to the ground. Because I I and probably every Division One coach in college football would rather an incompletion than an interception. Yeah. Especially since it was first down. Get the ball to the ground. He tips it up in the air. It falls right into the linebacker's hands. I mean, it couldn't have been easier. Or how about this? Your senior quarterback rolls out to the left, his preferred side, and throws the ball behind well, his yeah. receiver. Make, make, make a better throw. First and foremost, 100%. But if, if the ball's going to be behind you and you aren't 100% confident that you can bring in that catch, right? get it to the ground. Right. Don't tip it up in the air. At the same time, though, is, you but know, that, that's if he also, tries... That's also inexperienced because, again, this is AK's first year playing college football. Sure. But then, again, if you if you try to get cute and, and just bat it down, you risk... You, you, you run the risk of not even touching the ball. It goes right through your hands, and he still gets the opportunity to pick it off. Yeah. I, I just realized the reason why I got confused. Right before the end of the half, he threw another pick that number 45 just dropped. Right. Hit him right in the hands. And yeah, Levi should have three interceptions. That's, and for some reason, I'm thinking he's got three interceptions. That's granted, why I got confused. Granted, Quad Brown should have had two or three, too. Quad Brown. Well, <laughs> I think it's in the game plan for us to yeah, drop two or know. three picks a game. Because yeah, no. Braylon dropped one. Especially Percy Butler. Percy. Cool. <laughs> Poor guy. Right at the beginning of the game. Yeah. It seems like it happens all the time. Like, we have an opportunity for a pick every game early on. Right. After that interception, Georgia State takes it nine plays and 66 yards and will eventually score. Marcus Carroll punches it in from two yards out, makes it 21-7 to in favor of the Panthers, but the Cajuns would not be down for long. Chris Smith gets stuffed at his own 14 and that's when the Cajuns get to work. Eventually, at the end of the drive, Levi Lewis finds Kyron Lacey in the back of the end zone for his first career touchdown as a raging Cajun. Had to answer there. Yeah, had to absolutely. answer there. Game, game was over if you didn't answer right there. Yes, um, I agree. Great drive by there. And, you know, the one play I really want to talk about in that drive was that 33-yard pass to Dante Fleming. That guy's good. That, but not only that, did you realize that that route was open for most Multiple of the times. game. Yeah. Well, look, on that same drive, he hits Kyron Lacey for, I don't know, what was it, 20 yards maybe? Yeah. Then he goes right back to him. Oh, same exact him. route. Same. Er, the play was identical, and he throws it six feet too high far. Right. 
Yeah, no, I mean... That seam rat was open on both sides all day. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But uh, 100%. Fleming, Fleming beat that guy that was covering him. He beat his ass all day long. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the ball to him. And some of those throws were not good. I mean, that's the truth. Well, but but the ones that they gave him an opportunity to catch, he he went out and battled and caught the ball. After that, 21-14, Panthers still lead. But a quick three and out by the Cajuns defense gets the ball back into the hands of Levi Lewis. And who better than who better to give it to than the Reese's Bowl senior of the week, Elijah Mitchell? running away does what he does best 59 yards to the house ties the game up with three minutes left in the third this is when the o-line really took over and you know i i have some comments about the o-line but the run blocking has not been the issue their, their run blocking has been just fine they've been opening holes and they're doing what they have to do and they're winning those one-on-ones it's the it's the pass blocking that's right. been very suspect but uh, yeah, Eli kicked it into another gear, and about halfway through the third quarter, and into you know, for the rest of the game in overtime, the O line the O line took over. And then after that drive, Georgia State gets a five play punt, and then each team swaps a three and out, and then here come the Cajuns yet again. Elijah Mitchell, this, I'm, I'm gonna read the whole drive summary on this drive. Cajuns start with the ball at their own 33, uh, 37. I'm sorry. First play, Elijah Mitchell runs it for nine yards to the 46. The very next play, he takes off again, a 53-yard run down to the one. Yep. Loses the yard on the next run. So now you're at the two, second and goal. Obviously, Mitchell's tired at this point. You know, I don't care how much shape you're in. Running full speed, 53 yards down the field, going to gas you. Right. So put in Trey Regis. Trey Regis pounds it in from two yards out and makes it a 28-21 to 21 lead for the Cajuns. First lead of the ball game, and in my opinion, it took way too long to get there. Sure. You can breathe a little sigh of relief there, and I think the defense actually did that quite literally because there was a little bit more conservative play calling on the defensive side, and I think the guys kind of just wanted to keep everything in front of them. And, you know, credit to Georgia State's coaching staff. They attacked that. Quad Brown, however, would step back out on the field and do it again. Yep. 13 play, 75-yard drive, four minutes later, Destin Coates would run it in from four yards out. And can I just say, Destin Coates is a stud of a running back. 34 attempts. Uh, I think he ended up with like 150. 100. No, 150. So, look, that's the kind of workhorse you, you – you, that's the kind of numbers that a workhorse running back is expected to get. And he was tough. He was physical. He was a patient runner. I liked him. I think they're going to – they can win some games with that team. Oh, absolutely. No, no doubt about it. Cajuns would then go five plays and a punt. Then would the defense would stand up and force a three and out from Georgia State. So now the Cajuns are getting the ball back. 239 left, tied game at Georgia State's 45-yard line. You are you gotta finish that. 15 yards out of field goal range. Yeah. Give or take. Obviously, kicking game has been suspect. But in, in actuality, you're 15 yards out of kicking range. That's all you need. You get three yards, you get four yards. Now you here you are at the 38. Third was, this, three. was this the third and three that they called the quarterback waggle? That I got all pissed getting off there. about. Getting there. Okay. <laughs> getting there. George, you force Georgia State to call a timeout because they're getting worried. Third and three, we hand it off to Elijah Mitchell. He gets stuffed in the backfield for a loss of one. Okay. Georgia State calls another timeout. Minute 51 left. Fourth and four, we're sitting at the Georgia State 39. We decide to go for it. Granted, I didn't disagree with the call. 
I think the play call, however, could have been better. <laughs> yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't a designed quarterback waggle. It wasn't. I think from what I saw, it was supposed to be a play action. Miscommunication, running back, whoever was in, in the field, in the backfield, went to the wrong side. Levi was kind of open by himself. He did kind of turn then, around quickly, yeah. But you're then right. here's here's the issue. In that moment, okay, miscommunication. I either have to do one or two things. I either have to make a play and get the first down, or I have to dump the ball and not give Georgia State good field position. Don't lose yards. But what does Levi do? I love Levi. I don't want to bash Levi in any way. Look, there's a difference between bashing someone and and speaking factually about Con- what happened. Constructive criticism here. Wow. He didn't you care what we think, so it's, it, we're get, just discussing the game. You can't get sacked for a loss of 15 on 4th and 4. No. You can't. It cannot happen. Can't happen. There is no excuse. There is no rationale. I would have rathered a third pick. Well, I would have rathered a bomb to the end zone and you throw an interception and stick them at their 20. Then where where did we put them? The We gave them the ball in our end of the field. R46. That, that is unconscionable man that, that that he's a senior starter you cannot take a 20 yard sack right there it's it's just no, you can't. I, I don't care what anybody tells me if he should have been told and this is just me thinking this is my opinion nape says if it's not there get rid of it try to make a play but don't hurt us and and i'm telling you you take a 20 yard sack fourth down with what what was that a, a little bit over a minute at that time yeah I mean, dude, that, yeah, a little, that little over a minute. If the defense doesn't step up right there and really hold their own, w- w- easily could have lost that game because of that. Oh, one hundred percent. Because, like you said, at that point, they're fifteen yards away from field goal range, and their offense was clicking, and their offense was gaining but yards. That's thankfully, right. Thankfully, our defense stood up, forced a three and out, um, and then the Cajuns would run one play, three yard run for Chris Smith because we were buried deep at our own ten, and we would let the game go into overtime. And in overtime, Georgia, Louisiana won the toss, elected for defense first, which well, is always... Before we get into that, I, I wanted to ask you this. What did you think about the the decision to, I think it was 34 seconds left, maybe 37 seconds left, and we have the ball pretty deep in our own our own side of the field. Right and here at the end of the game? Three, three timeouts. What did you think about sitting on it? Did, you, did I, you like the call? I think that was the smart one. I think, and I'm probably in the minority on this, but I think if I have a senior quarterback in three timeouts and 30 seconds, that, I mean, the clock stops with a, Granted. In, in college with a first, first down. down. No. That's an eternity to get into field goal range. Think about how quickly against Iowa State we marched down the field for almost right. a touchdown. Right. But also, you got to look at it from Billy Napier's point of view. You have a quarterback that has been making mistakes all game long. Absolutely. You have a kicker that has made one field goal. Out of four tries. Sure. But at the same time, why not give him a chance? You never know. Because that chance could have been another turnover and a chip shot field goal for their kicker and a loss. That tells me you don't trust your quarterback. Maybe not. Maybe maybe on Saturday he didn't trust Levi. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's kind of what I was trying to get to. Maybe, maybe, maybe that yeah, I mean, but yeah. well let's be honest, Levi didn't give him a whole lot to trust. I agree. I agree. So, you know, call call it what you will. I think the I think Billy Napier made the smart call by just playing for overtime. Probably so. Right there, um, Cajuns win the toss. Always go defense first when you when you have the choice in overtime. 
you hold Georgia State to a field goal. So now you know what you need. Field goal ties it, extends the game, touchdown wins it. And then, you know, you feed it to the beast. Four straight runs on that drive. And he scored twice. Six yards, four yards. Yeah, scored twice. Yeah. Scored twice. Three yards and then a 12-yard touchdown run to seal the deal. And, you know, I'm all for the celebration. And Elijah Mitchell had himself one hell of a game. Mm -hmm. But after the way the team as a whole performed on Saturday, you do not run into the end zone on the game-winning touchdown and go, Ooh, I got ice in my veins. I got ice in my veins. I don't know. Hey, hey, look, you got to remember this. Come at the on, end man. of the day, at the end of the day, they're still college kids having fun playing the game they love. So I don't hate it. I mean, I understand people don't like that, but I, I don't hate it. I mean, um, usually, I don't mind it. Yeah, but I don't mind it. I enjoy it when you play well. Well, still, you know, it's the first time in the school's history that we've won a game as a ranked team. It's two and zero. Oh. It's another road win. It's conference win and one and zero. Oh. Uh, there's a lot that was on the line. You know, a lot of people just look at Georgia State and they say, ah, it's Georgia State winning by three scores. We had a lot on the line on Saturday. And uh, some of it was psychological. Some of it was the unknown. Uh, some of it was history, you know. So, yeah, it was bad. It was ugly at times. But there's nothing ugly about 2-0. and Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. And that was your scoring summary. Guys, how, let's get... How about through. this? How about this? Who... <laughs> How many people in Cajun Nation would have had tight buttholes had we had to kick a field goal to tie oh. the game? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. That would not have been good. The, la- the last thing I thought before he scored the touchdown uh, was, yeah, we have to score a touchdown here. I don't want to even – I don't even want to go through the anxiety of having to watch this, this field goal kicker come out no, of here and try to tie this game. Team statistics, Cajun's first down is 23, Georgia State 26. Fourth down efficiency. The Cajuns were one and two. Georgia State did not attempt a fourth down. Total yards. Cajuns went for 519. Georgia State went for 419. Passing yard breakdown. Passing 279 to 196 in favor of the Cajuns. Two interceptions thrown by Louisiana. One by Georgia State. Rushing yards. Cajuns win again 240 to 223. Averaging 6.2 yards a carry. Penalties. Cajuns were more disciplined but gave up more penalty yards. Four for 54, and Georgia State was six for 38. Two turnovers apiece. Time of possession was only 20 seconds off. Georgia State winning that battle 30 minutes and 10 seconds to 29.50. And, Josh, I don't know if you've realized, but I skipped over a statistic. Okay. Strictly because I wanted to talk about it at the end, because I want to spend some time on it. For sure. Third down efficiency. Georgia State was eight for 20. Not great, but not terrible. No, not that's not too bad. The Cajuns. Three of 14. Yeah. Which, I'm going to pull out my handy-dandy calculator because we've proven on this podcast. We're not, we're not math gurus. Math. 21%. That is 21.4%. Yeah. I wish I had a hot button on this board that said yikes. Yeah. Because yikes. I know. When you break down the tape, dude, uh, it's been said, Levi did not have a good day. He was particularly bad on third down. Some of the, some of the, well, I would say the bulk of the comments that we've made about certain throws were on third down. Multiple times we're in third and long, and we're having to make something happen with third and eight, third and 11. Uh, even last year when we felt like we were clicking, I didn't feel great in third and long. I don't want to, I don't, with this offense, with this offensive line and these running backs, you shouldn't have to be in third and eight and third and 11. Right. Multiple times again today, or excuse me, Saturday, we're in third and three. 
And instead of turning around and handing it to one of those NFL backs back there, we're trying to hit somebody doing, you know, a, a Swiss Army knife option route, or we're trying to throw jump balls down the field and all this. Third down, I don't know what we were at Iowa State. It wasn't good, whatever it was. So here, here let's, we are. Let's let, talk a little bit, and I'll find it. We're, we're eight quarters through the season, you know, with two full games in, plus some OT, and we're bad on third down. We were six of 14. So not much better. On almost 50%. Almost 50%, but combined. three We got three more conversions than we did this past Saturday because yeah. we were three of 14 against Georgia State, six of 14 against Iowa State. Against a much, much, much better defense. You know, so as, as bad as we said the offense was at Iowa State – it was even worse. Mm, mm. Yeah, and it that's, was even worse, which isn't good. No, it's not good. It's, it's kind of good. it's kind of concerning. Um, you know, Josh, you you hammered to me off off the air that you wanted to spend some time on the O line and and especially Pierce Meagle. So uh, I'll let you. Good, uh, Pierce Meagle. I have I have a high hopes for Pierce because you saw him in some crucial moments last year kind of show up, and I have every bit of confidence that he can be. Uh, Nick Ralston type. Now, Ralston was one in a million. The guy was tough. I mean, bullheaded, you know, did everything. Excellent run blocker. How many times did you see those highlights? You know, him running over four or five people at a time. I don't know if Pierce is that is is that kind of blocker in the run game, but I know he's capable. I know he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I know he can line up at an H-back and, and be some sort of a, a weapon somewhere. Um, one thing that I saw during watching the game again he he he, he looked lackadaisical he 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 didn't run crisp routes he, he the run blocking was kind of like you know i call i call run blocking especially if you're not on the line i call that an effort play it's like rebounding in basketball there, there's nothing stopping you from getting a rebound over the other person other than your own effort so effort 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 our wide receivers last year were excellent in the run game, blocking downfield. So far this year, I'm not going to say we're, we're bad or anything, but it's just not quite there. And some of it is because they're young and they're youthful and they're learning. So I totally understand that. But Pierce played enough last year to where I expect a little bit more out of him. And he was targeted three times. Levi couldn't hit him for whatever reason. Um, it seemed like he started to kind of give up on his routes later in the game. That bothers me. You know, I think that the tight end game is one of those areas that we have not utilized since Billy's been here. Now, some of it's injuries. Some of it is, you know, we had to build up our recruiting. Uh, I think Johnny Lumpkin's going to be good, but we're still trying to get him some reps, game time. Um, Experience is important, but Pierce has that under his belt. So, a little disappointing from Pierce Meagle, who I like a lot. I, like, I think he's a good player. I think he can do a lot of things well. I, I, he's got to be better for me. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the offensive line, still maybe some communication and some cohesiveness that they have to learn. Uh, but from a pass blocking standpoint, we're, we're, not, we're not getting the job done right now. Yeah. No. We're missing assignments, and we're still road grading when it comes to run blocking. But... You know, if, if Billy's going to want to try to open up this offense, like it kind of seems like he wants to, we've got to be better up front when we drop back. Yeah, uh, there's there's no question. And, you know, you, you mentioned the, the lack of effort that appeared to be there with the offensive line 
you know, if that continues, especially with a game like App, with an opponent on our level like UAB, yeah, it's, it's not going to be pretty. It's no, not going to be pretty at all. I agree. I think they got beat. They got beat up by an inferior defensive line. Oh, 100%. And I did not expect that. That is a big surprise for me. I did not expect the offensive line to get their ass handed to them, especially our tackles. Outside, left and right, both got got whipped pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Valo got pushed back a few times. I didn't expect that. Uh, Again, when you watch the tape, there's a lot of, uh, I say a lot, there's some situations where just flat-blown assignments on plays where, you know, these guys have enough experience to know they, and they're watching film today. They know, okay, they, this is going to be one of those good experiences where you get the result you want, but there's a ton to correct. So it really can, at the, in the end, it'll probably be a benefit for us. But just from a fan standpoint, watching the game and rewatching the game, it's, it's concerning. Like, you wouldn't expect that to be happening right now. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. Josh, in your mind, what's the moment that changed the game for the Cajuns? Oh, I think it's clear. Makai Gardner picking off uh, Quad Brown on the... They're moving in to go up 21 to nothing, and the offense cannot get out of their own way. And Makai goes a third and five pass. They try to go down the field. Um, it was a bit of an overthrow by Quad, but um, Gardner made a good play on the ball. He high-pointed it, came down with it, and I think that it gave him a little bit of energy. Like, it gave the, the team some energy, shot in the arm, you know? Uh, we came down and scored on that next possession, so... I think that that really changed it. It, it kind of got the, got the guys back up. They were in the game. They were ready. Uh, after that, you know, they get to put on the turnover spikes and everything, and it's it's fun again, you know, just a shot. And, and, and Makai Gardner provided that for us. Yeah, and as much as I agree with you, I think, I think in my opinion, the moment that truly changed the game was Elijah Mitchell's 59-yard touchdown run. Yeah, I think that really shot a spark into the offense. Really shot a spark into the defense as well. Um, yeah, that was the moment when everybody kind of woke up a little bit. I, I can see that, and, and I'll, I'll say another thing about defense. I don't have anything really bad to say about the defense. I think the only time that they really were ever in a bind is when they were constantly on the field because the offense couldn't get out of their own damn way. Uh, I I didn't think that they played particularly poor. There were some things we can do better. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, I thought that the Georgia State game plan on offense was perfect. Stay on schedule. Uh, use that that option read to your advantage. Quad Brown is a very capable runner. Uh, and, and we knew going in, you know, like we talked about in the preview, their wide receiving core was veteran and very good. So we knew what we had on the outside. And not having A.J. is, of course, that's important. I mean, the guy is excellent. Um, not having Joe Dillon, I thought, was probably more of an issue. Joe's so fast off the end, it, it, and he's also a very disciplined player in run in run defense. So a couple guys got some some playing time. I thought Jones had a good game. Um, Farad had a good game. You know, I, I just thought that the effort level wasn't quite what I would think it would be after a major win. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm a little naive, but I, I still thought the defense played well overall. Yeah, I I agree. I think that they've played pretty well in both games. And let me also say this. This is the first time you're going to hear it, and so when it happens, I want some credit. Percy Butler is an All-American. Percy Butler is going to be a high-round NFL draft pick. He's the best safety in the G5. Heard it here first. Yeah, no, there's definitely no doubt about it. Um, 
One thing I want to talk about, in your opinion, how many fans do you think traveled to Atlanta? I don't know what number, but we looked. Anybody that went? uh, A couple guys that I know that went, but we were, there was was more of us than them, from what I could tell on TV. Right. Uh, We, and they were loud. You could hear them. So I was proud of that. We there was a lot of red in the stands. Good to travel. That's a good little trip too. Going to Atlanta is fun. Yeah, you know I'm I'm excited about the uh, the Cajuns returning home. Yes. For for the home opener this weekend, because again, you know, players get comfortable. We're gonna get some fans in the stands. Yes. You know, it, it, it's a it, it's gonna be fun Saturday for sure. And we need to greet those guys. I, I know we can only have like eight or nine thousand in the stands, and that's fine, but. When they come home, we need to greet them. They've been through a lot. They've already accomplished a lot. And, uh, I mean, when I say accomplished a lot and been through a lot, I mean offseason, you know, losing DJ and just so much already has happened with our with our football team. So I hope the city gets behind them. For those of us that can get in the game, let's, let's, let's be loud. Let's thank them. Let's, let's, uh, let's support them. Josh, let's talk about Billy's. Billy Napier's offensive game plan. Oh, yes. Um, you know, we, we talked about it after the Iowa State game. It seemed a little vanilla, seemed a little lackluster. Um, Maybe we're learning that it's, it's vanilla on purpose. More more of the same. More of the same this weekend. Uh, why? This is my theory right now. Um, it's Look, Levi's not been good for two games. I don't care what anybody says. And I'm not bashing the kid. I'm just telling you what I see. Hasn't been good. It is conceivable, right, that he mastered the game book or the the uh, playbook to a point where Billy thought, "Hey, he can handle more. Let's get a little more complex. Let's put some more on his shoulders. Let's pretty much give him the keys to this thing and see what he can do in his senior year." I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm saying it's conceivable because right now, through two games. He does not look sure of himself or as sure of his uh, of himself as I would expect. Being a senior quarterback, second year full starter, there's there there are some things left to be desired with how he's reading the field. And I'm sure a lot of people don't watch the game with that in mind the first time around. I sure don't. Go back and look at the game. Watch Levi, watch where he where where he's looking for his first and second read and watch the decision making that the decision making uh, process. It's slower than you would expect. In some cases, in some cases, it's inexplicable why he doesn't deliver the ball, because the, the option one is open. Option two is open. Uh, I, I'm, I'm and another thing that he's doing is he's dropping his eyes a lot faster, kind of like he did at the beginning of last year. He kind of stopped doing that as he improved last year, uh, you know, down the stretch last year. But he's doing that again this year. And look, some of it is pressure. And and those guys were fast. And our offensive line didn't play well. Don't get me wrong. And he's throwing to some pups. A lot of new wide receivers. Still kind of feeling out the tight end situation. And, you know, you know his, his blanket, Ralston's gone. So, I don't know, man. It's probably a lot of stuff going on. But uh, if you just watch the game and you just watch what he's doing, you'll understand what I'm talking about. There's some indecision there. And the only thing that makes sense to me is that he's been giving he's been given more um, uh, things to think about. He's been given uh, more responsibility within the offense. Maybe he's been given more of an opportunity to check off or change the play. You know, maybe they trust him in that way. 
And maybe it's just, it's just flat out, hey, I made a few bad decisions here and there. It could be a few things, but something isn't quite there yet. And I, obviously, without being in the room, we won't know for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, individual performance outside of McCaskill and Regis that impressed you. Hmm, that's a good one. Individual performance and impression. I thought Gardner played well. I mean, I know I said that yeah. this was a game, the game changer. Uh, Percy Butler had a phenomenal game. He had a phenomenal okay. game, and he he's one of the well known guys. So it is a little bit of a cop out, but um, Kyron Lacy, man. Yeah, Kyron Lacy's mine. Kyron Lacy was he he's, he balled. Yeah. He balled, and he could have if they would have targeted him a few more times. He and also thrown him some more accurate passes. Archive this episode on whatever podcast app you use. You heard it here first. Kyron Lacey will graduate from the University of Louisiana, number one in the all-time receiving yards record book. He certainly has the ability. He's a very impressive he, he player. Will be, he will be numero uno. He will be the best wide receiver Louisiana's ever had. He's got size. You've he's got it, talent. You've heard it here first. If he stays committed, there's no reason why that can't happen. All right, Cajuns, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the position group that surprised us most, Cajun players that stepped up. Sunbelt Roundup, and Josh goes in on the Regus Rant 2.0. All of that and more when we come back right here on Rage and Review. That should be fun. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review you trust Award Masters for all of their needs, and you will too. Award Masters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Award Masters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Award Master, the recognition and personalization experts. Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Rage and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what 
Willie and the Gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. like we're in a Frenchman Street Jazz Lounge over here in Rage Interview. Welcome back, Matt Miguez, Josh Jagno across from me. Josh, before we get into this last little segment, you know, Cajun Nation and, you know, college football nation in general, been begging for quite a while to get a uh, to get a barstool page yep. going for the University of Louisiana. Yep. Well, Cajun Nation, I'm here to tell you that thanks in no part to myself. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, myself and a guy by the name of Connor, I'm a butcher his last name, Ransonay. Let's see. I'm going to spell it and then I'm going to let Josh, who's the true Acadian, you know, R A N S O N E T. R A N S O N E T. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Okay, close enough. If I'm wrong, Connor, just DM me. Tell me. Tell me that I'm wrong. And yeah, I will. No. Anyways, we have, we have teamed up with Barstool Sports and have created a UL page for on, on Barstool. So it is on Twitter, at Barstool Cajuns. Um, by the way, I think her name's Megan, the Barstool graphics designer. Solid work. It's on good. The, on, on the logo. Logo's really good. Um so follow us on Twitter, like I said, at Barstool Cajuns. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Barstool Cajuns, as well as the almighty universe that is TikTok. <laughs> you, you can find all of our awesome content there. Cool thing that Barstool does that maybe not a lot of people know about. If you find something on social media that you go, hmm, that'd be good for the Barstool page, send it to us. We will post it. We will give you credit for the post. Send it to us. We need, you know, especially since it's a brand new page. Like videos and stuff? Videos, pictures, you know, memes, whatever you can whatever you can find. Um, send it to us, and if we deem that it's appropriate, you know, we'll post it and have a good time with it. Um, good to so, know. So, you know, that's awesome. Just, just letting you guys know about that. And like I said, I'll be sure that whoever sends it to us will for sure get credit on that. Josh, position group from Saturday that surprised you the most, who and why? Surprise. Um, I can tell you who was most impressive was our linebackers. Yeah. yeah. McCaskill and, and Fraud Gardner were, were very, very Everywhere. good. Everywhere. Very, very good. Stop Everywhere. the run, uh, drop back in coverage. I mean, really good. Uh, sideline to sideline. McCaskill's fast. He's faster than you think. And Farad is ferocious. And I'll tell you another one. Andre Jones had a couple of monster hits on the quarterback. And mostly played well, with while, the exception of the targeting that he got while, away with. I was about to say, while we're, the, <laughs> while we're on the subject of Andre Jones, that was targeting. But absolutely targeting. 100%. You know, they said that there was no tell or there was no, uh, what are they, indicator? There's no indicator. Look. I think I think what, what, what sold it was that he didn't hit him in the head. Yeah, but look, there was another targeting opportunity for uh, the guy didn't hit Pete. 
But uh, he launched, the safety launched how about, himself. How about the hit from behind on Flemick? Oh, dude, that, that was, uh, at, at very least, that was roughing. Or, you know, uh, unnecessary, unnecessary roughness. Rough. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. For sure. Those, listen, those refs, I guess those were Sunbelt refs, they sucked. They were terrible. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 were, they really were, were bad. The hands to the face on Osiris Torrance was, a, was joke. a joke. He had his hand on his freaking collar. That, that was a joke. Oh, dude, it was, it was bad. Uh, but, uh, is it position group that surprised me, and not in a good way, is the offensive line. Sure, yeah. I, I didn't expect them to come out as flat as they did. Yes. Um, like we, we, We've said it numerous times, and I'll say it again. They got owned by a much weaker defensive line than they than We think they are, and I, I still would say, just from watching the tape, that their defensive line should not have done what no, they did. Not at all. Um, but I agree with you, man. I, I think offensive line's got some work to do. The Cajuns played shorthanded. Uh, you know, nine players were out due to COVID, whatever that may entail. Right. Um, obviously, due to HIPAA, we will never know what players it was. But coincidentally, Joe Dillon was out on Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, context clues put two and two together. Sure. I'm not going to say that... I know for a fact that he was because I don't, but I mean, my mind leads me to believe that he may have been one of the nine. So what is the deal? Like, so do you have to quarantine for 14 days if you're traced and or have COVID? Correct. So he may not be available for next week. Correct. And AJ Washington may not be. Correct. That's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Having um, said that, the people that played for him. How uh, about Makai Gardner? Tyler Gidry, who yeah. also got some yeah. reps, had a, a good, good game. Had a good game. Uh, and then Andre had a bigger role, but yeah, Makai was really good in his time. I, like again, I M- thought Makai even got the shout out on Sunday NFL Countdown with the "You Got Moss." Yeah, I put "You Got Makai," but yeah, that was but that was you got Makai. Uh, that, that's cool. And man, how, this is so great that national recognition that just keeps oh, yeah. piling up, man. That's so oh, yeah. good. But yeah, Makai was good. I thought Jaron Wilson played well. I thought um, outside uh, of that bogus pass interference call. Yes, yes. You know that was just good coverage. Yeah. Uh, Jay Johnson played well in his spot duty. Did you do you remember seeing Cam Solomon? Because I don't. No, I don't. And Podesclo, he was on the field because he. Podesclo, that God, that hit on the running back or yes. whatever, dude, that sent pain all through my body. One thing that I love about watching us play defense is we are physical. We hit people. We're he, not scared. He lit that kid up. Yeah, he did. So outside of that, though, I would have I would have fumbled the football too. Yes, because some grown ow. men would have dropped that ball. Yeah, ow, that hurt. But yeah, um, but outside of that play, I mean, he was basically non-existent. I don't remember Cam Solomon being on the field. I'm not saying he wasn't, but I don't remember him having an impact. Um, I do remember Percy Butler having an impact on what felt like every other play. Yeah. So uh, no, I mean, I, I think that the guys that that stepped up for our COVID patients are or are. Trank, or, COVID patients. Yeah, whatever you whatever you want to call it. Um, the they're they're not subs, but their replacements uh, did well. They played well. Everybody did. Let's walk through the Sun Belt scoreboard now. Um, you know, there's the the recap is pretty simple. Friday night, Coastal Carolina played Campbell, and Coastal rolling again, man. Their 40, offense is scary. 43-21. to 21, Coastal improves to 2-0. And then Saturday morning started, you know, the full slate of games. Obviously, Louisiana defeating Georgia State 34-31 in overtime. And then, you know, I'm going to skip this one because we'll talk about it at the end. Troy, as I predicted, owned Middle Tennessee. 47-14. Oh, Woodshed. The fact that they have to play them again. 
not looking good for the Blue Raiders. You know, I liked Middle Tennessee in that game because they coming into the season, they thought they had a pretty solid club. And this is Troy. First game of the year. They got to travel. Man, they whipped and Middle. Texas State walked into Monroe, Monroe, no fun row, whatever you want to call it, and made those boys look silly. It was bad. Made those boys look silly. I didn't watch the game. 38 to 17. Oof. Texas State wins. Yikes. Tyler Vitt, 14 of 21, 256 yards and two scores. Tyler Vitt was also the leading rusher for the Bobcats. 11 carries, 82 yards. Playing like a, a man wants to keep his job. Yeah, 38 to 17, final score on that one. Wow. And then obviously, FAU Georgia Southern was postponed due to COVID issues. Central Arkansas and Arkansas State also postponed due to COVID issues. And then, you know, I don't want to say that this was an embarrassment for the Sun Belt. But, you know, 2.30 p.m., national primetime CBS spot, Marshall and App State. And App State just didn't look good. Yeah. They didn't. Uh, Marshall obviously defeated... The Mountaineers, 17 to 7. You know, Zach Thomas, 22 of 38, 268 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. I mean, not terrible on paper, but. That's Zach Thomas. I've been saying this for three years. And then, you know, the one thing we say is, oh, Zach Thomas can run the ball. Sure. Nine carries for nine yards. They've lost some weapons, so you gotta, you gotta, that's part of it. Thomas Hennigan was their leading receiver, five catches for 88 yards. Yeah. Um, Cameron Peoples was their leading rusher, 12 carries, 57 yards. Cam Peoples is good. and But look, you got it. Listen, the herd are good. Yeah. They, they, we knew they were good. And the, the Wells guy apparently is the real deal. Maybe. Saturday, he was 11 for 25, 163 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. So he played like a freshman. Correct. Okay, so, well. Uh, he, and he, he, came, he came down to earth, but his running back, Brendan Knox, 28 carries, 138 yards, and a score. Now, see, that is more, maybe not concerning, but that's more surprising than anything. App State doesn't let you run the ball on them. And the leading tackler for Marshall was, get his name right, hold on. Marshall's good, man, I'm telling you. Devontae Beckett, he was named the Kusa. Marshall's in, Marshall's in Kusa, huh? Yes, yeah. Marshall. Look, Kusa is a shit league. It is a shit league. But they've got it is a shit league. Three ish, three or four good teams. Really good. Yeah. Not really, but good teams. Kusa, Devontae Beckett was named the Kusa Defensive Player of the Week after putting up sixteen tackles. Nice against App State on it, Saturday. Is he their middle linebacker? He is. Okay, so he, he did his job. Sounds like the scheme worked. You know, I've been said. Look, Zach Thomas is a good player. He's been kicking our ass for three years, two years. I, I'm not. I'm not going to crush him or anything, but that is who he well, is. Well, he's not going to well, go out and beat you through the air. He's well, He has to run the offense within the constraints of the scheme. He has to. It makes him a good quarterback. He doesn't make the scheme great. I, I don't think that's controversial. I, I, we've all been watching these guys play for the last, you know, he's been the starter there for three years, I think, right? This right. is his third year. So we're familiar with them. We have, we've played them a million times in two years, three years. So, that's that's Zach Thomas. When he cannot run the ball, when you make him a pocket passer, he is not what everybody swears to God he is, the second coming of Joe Montana. He's not. Right. But they have lost a significant amount of weapons, especially on offense. And you look, they're going through a coaching staff change. There's a lot of things up in the air over in, in Boone. So 
I still am definitely afraid of going to Boone, but you know, they played a really good team and, and it was a good game from what the score says. You know, I didn't get a chance to watch, but the herd are good. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Josh, before we close it up, Regus Rant 2.0. You give me some. Let's start with you. You go on a half-ass Regus Rant. I mean... You don't, you don't really hate the situation as much as I do. I mean, I do. I, I think I think it's absurd that Regus is running the ball less than Chris Smith is. It's completely absurd. But, I mean, my, my philosophy has always been feed worth working. Sure. And Elijah Mitchell was working. Not in the first half. Our passing game was working in the first half. Seven points in well, 30 minutes we, of football. We didn't, we didn't get in the end zone. We moved the ball well. I think it's completely I insane. You, you, you go on your rant. I think it's completely insane that he doesn't get the ball more. He should at minimum get 10 touches. At minimum. And it's it's not necessarily that he doesn't get enough touches. That is a point, that's a point of concern, but... It's when they choose not to give him the ball. Right. Third and two. Like, for example, on the fourth down play that Levi ends up taking the sack. If you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, no matter what, and it's third and four, give it to freaking Trey. Right. If he, he falls forward for two, you're at fourth and two rather than fourth and four, and you don't have to call, you know, one of those those mid, those mid-range not a mid-range. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's either like, it's like, do you pass, do you run? You know, you have to make a decision. Right. Fourth and two. You're probably going to run. Fourth and four, eh, you have an option. Right. You know what I mean? Why Goal line situations. Shit, run a slant pass on fourth and four. Instead of, instead of jet sweep, right. just turn around and give it to Trey. They, nobody's tackling him on the first. The first man is not tackling Trey. He'll sidestep. He'll juke. He does what he He's not super fast, but you can't wrap him up. Right. His, his legs are tree trunks. And every time they hand him the ball, he does it. And he did it in the second half to kind of get us rolling. He did it at the end of the second quarter where we had nothing going. They ran a little stretch. He cut back inside. He found a little wall. Trey is a very patient runner. And there's there's Eli is more of a see the gap, hit it right away. And that's fine. We need that. But we also need the patience of a Trey Regis and the toughness and grit. Not that Eli doesn't have it, but Trey has an extra level of that. And he finds yards where there are none. And when the offensive line was kind of getting their ass kicked, I felt like it was a good time. Look, turn around and hand it to him. If he gets two, he gets two. It's, it's, at least it's not a three-yard loss. Right. Let's see what we can do. And uh, this goes back to last year. It goes back to last year. It goes back to the first game of the season. I want to see Trey Regis get the ball. He should be getting the ball. And there is no rationality behind not giving him the ball. Right. Chris Smith, great weapon. We can use him in multiple different ways. Should not have more carries than Trey Regis. I agree. A bona fide NFL running back. I agree. It's just that's I don't care what the the if there's an attitude issue, blah, 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 blah. He produces. Yeah. He's a producer. He has proven to produce over the course of his time. Why waste him? Why sit him on the bench? He's he's more than just a fourth down closer. I mean, not a fourth down closer, a fourth quarter closer. He can help you throughout the game. I want to see Trey get the ball. Yeah. And he's earned the carries. God, he started since he was a freshman. He's earned the carries. I, I don't I just I don't get the whole Oh gosh. I don't get it either. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Uh, Cajun Nation, again, Cajun's defeat. 
the Georgia State Panthers 34-31 in overtime, 2-0, number 19 in the country. We will play the Georgia Southern Eagles this Saturday, 11 a.m., ESPN2 once again from Cajun Field. And we will be joined by the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Mr. Danny Reed, for a preview of that game. Uh, stay tuned for that one. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, he's going to bring a whole lot of information. Get Let us, you know, honestly, I don't know much about Georgia Southern outside of, you know, we don't even know how many players they have and who they're going to field. So we're going to learn something uh, when we talk to Danny. Yeah, definitely going to learn. Like I said, big thanks to our sponsors. Follow us on social media. Find the podcast pretty much wherever you get your podcast. And we will. And listen, talk. when y'all go listen on the platforms that you listen on, Please rate, review, share, yeah, comment. Subscribe. It helps everything. us a whole lot to see what other people think of us, and it helps our numbers. It helps us look better, guys. We 100%. want to keep growing. 100%. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys soon. And as always, go Cajun. Go Cajun. Tell them, Moe.